Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and your all-around hiring guru. And I have got, I know I say this every week, but I believe it every week too. I have got such a special guest to share with you today who is going to drop some real knowledge nuggets on you. And I'm so excited to share with you also how we met. So today on the show, I'd like to welcome Courtney Ramsey, keynote speaker, leadership development consultant, and custom training creator. Over the past 20 years, Courtney has helped businesses achieve by providing world-class keynotes and training and development solutions. Her goal is to help reduce turnover, increase engagement, and improve employee and client experience. Courtney, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me, Casey. I couldn't be happier. This has been such a long time in the making. We've had ice storms. We've had, you know last minute yes. uh, client calls and Absolutely. all the things, but I'm so excited that we finally got here today. But one of the first questions I like to ask is, and I'm gonna let you tell the story. Okay. How did we get connected? Oh my gosh, so funny story. So Casey and I just happen to have one very special person in common, and that is my husband, Brad. <laughs> so Brad recently started working for VIP. And so, yeah, when you started talking to Brad, and you just, I don't know how the conversation of, of me came up, but you learned what I did. And before I knew it, we had a Zoom call scheduled, and we had like, I just had this feeling like we had been best friends for Forever. Like five years at least. Yeah, like I felt like you just knew me at my right? soul level. Yeah. I know your Brad came in uh, into the office later after we'd had that conversation. He's like, what did I do? <laughs> he was like, we, I've created like this monster pair. Yes, yes. And then I got to hang out with you in person at the Christmas party. So yeah. that's all kinds of good things. The holiday so, party, so connections can happen anywhere. Right. You just Absolutely. have to be open to them. You really, they really do. And to be open to exploring them further, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it was so interesting because he just, when I met him and we were in our old office and I came in and I was just like, and this is kind of how I came up. He's like, oh, you're the one that hosts that podcast that y'all do, right? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, you should check out my wife's website. <gasps> See? See, sometimes you don't think people are working for you behind the scenes and they are. So thank you, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to make sure he watches this Exactly. One. <laughs> exactly. Oh, you know he is. And okay. If he doesn't, um, there's a problem. So. <laughs> Uh, my significant quit watching him a long time ago. <laughs> well, what episode is this? Uh, episode 193. Okay. Let's, let's cut him some slack. Okay. He gets a pass because <laughs> you don't have to watch all of them, although they're yeah. all good. They're all no good. Doubt. I have no <laughs> doubt. We've had some great guests. But we're here to talk about you today. And, you know, I just want to kind of bring it up because you have so many credentials. Um, you're part of the National Speakers Association, and you're about to take on a big role. I am. Awesome. I'm currently vice president. So we're on the, we have a big board of directors. I serve one of those roles. Next year, I am president-elect. And then the following year, I'm the official president for our North Texas chapter of National Speakers Association, or NSA, but not that NSA. Not that NSA. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. Where do you find time to do all that you do? 
that's a hard one. I mean, I think I really have to think through and prioritize what really has to mm -hmm. be done by me and what perhaps could be done by other people and not be afraid to delegate and not be afraid for people to do it in the way that maybe you wouldn't do it. Oh, that's so important. But the so end result important. is still the same, right? So prioritization is huge. Have you read the book, Who Not How? I have not, but I'm going to put it on the list. You just said exactly what that whole book is about. Mm -hmm. You know, don't ask yourself, how am I going to get it done? Ask yourself, who can help you get it mm -hmm. done? And then once you identify that person, let them do it their way. Exactly. Right. If more people will just let go. Like one thing I'm learning the later I go in life is I have control over nothing but me. Exactly. Like just let it go. And if the end result is great or even just good enough, then that's a win. <laughs> so Courtney, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are now doing what you do. <laughs> Well, it all started in eighth grade. <laughs> Are you serious? Is this a sort joke? Of, sort of. No, this is like my origin story, if you will. Okay. So um, I, I had to do a speech in English class, and it was an impromptu speech. And if you've ever given a speech before, you know most people prepare. This is the kind where you had to walk up to the front of the classroom, and you had to draw a piece of paper from a plastic red bowl. Oh. You had to read the prompt, and you had a minute to prepare, and you had to start speaking. Wow. So in eighth like, grade? Yeah, so that's 12 or 13 years old. And um, get this, the prompt that I was lucky enough to draw. Granted, this was an earlier time. I can't wait to hear. Is there too much sex and violence on TV? In eighth grade? What? I know, right? Like, my teacher would probably be fired now. Like, times have changed. But that was my topic. And oh, um, wow. I'm not even say the real word, but the real word was not sex. It was something else that I couldn't pronounce very well. Um, <laughs> let's just say it has it's another word for adult movies. Oh. <gasps> Yeah, that word. And I had to sit there with my, my face flushing bright red and give this speech to my fellow 12, you know, 13-year-olds in eighth grade. But here's the good news. It didn't kill me. I actually found out that I like speaking in public. So in high school, I pursued speech, drama, and debate. And then getting out of college is when I started really getting more into speaking. And so, but you focus on leadership, right? Mm -hmm. And so... I mean, did you ever, I don't want to sound, I mean, did you ever have a job where you were a leader or have you always just been mm -hmm. natural trainers? Okay, so mm -hmm. tell me about that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, naturally, just leadership roles on my team, of course, because I really firmly believe everyone can be a leader no matter if you have the title or not. But I did definitely take on a leadership role as a leader for the training um, division shortly for training in the Sephora division of JCPenney. Okay. So back when Sephora inside JCPenney was a thing, it wasn't until recently, I helped lead that team. And uh, that was a unique experience for me. Mm -hmm. Did you teach them how to do makeup? Or did you know? No. <laughs> so that was a unique um, bringing together of two very different companies. We had Sephora and we uh -huh. had JCPenney. The Sephora side handled all the training around artistry and product and sales. Okay. And then the JCPenney side handled all training around operations and leadership development and actually running the business. Gotcha. So actually achieving the business results, that was all my team. That is so amazing. Mm -hmm. And so today, you, you, you don't work for a company. I don't. Well, unless you count myself. Well, that's my company. Yes, of yes. course. But you don't work for the man. I, I don't. I don't have an official you know, person who's writing my paycheck. I report to my clients. Yeah. So I feel, I feel like my clients are kind of my, my leaders in, 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 in a way because they're t asking me for specific things and I'm delivering those things. But no, I am my own boss at this point. How amazing is that being an entrepreneur? It's pretty great. And yeah. it's going to be really scary at times. Sure. Especially like COVID. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Because no one was hiring speakers in 2020. Right. Let me just tell you. Yeah. 
that was a really scary thing. Did you do, um, how quickly did you shift to like the Zooms and the Mm -hmm. videos and stuff like that? Mm really quickly. So I had a little bit of experience doing things like this because in JCPenney, we actually had our own studio much like this. Oh, wow. And we could go downstairs and do training videos and live broadcast. Okay. So I had been on camera before, which meant going to Zoom and things like Teams video wasn't a huge shift for me. And I really believe that great training can be done in person, live, speaking to people right here in front of you or done through avenues like this and Zoom. It can be done well. You know, and I don't disagree with that, and mm-hmm. I and I like that, but I'm, I'm curious, and, and the reason I'm asking, I mean, this is a real-life scenario coming up. I have the option for a speaking yeah. engagement to either do Zoom or do in person, and I tend to feel mm-hmm. like I would rather do it in person just because mm-hmm. of the energy that it creates and the interaction. Do you, do you yes. find that it's a little bit more energetic in person? Yes, for a variety of reasons. First of all, with your speaking engagement, if everyone who's watching you is going to be in the same room, mm-hmm. to me, you should absolutely be there. There's something a little odd to me about having someone piped in, unless there's a really good reason. Don't get me wrong, it can be done for a really good reason. Maybe yeah. this person's international and can't come over. Um, but when the when the entire audience is together, I prefer to be in person. Okay, okay. that's a, that's a good uh, distinction yeah. for but sure. I would also say, even just for people out there deciding whether or not they're having an event live and in person or virtually, think about the energy that does magically happen when you get everyone in the same room. Yes. Because there is, it's, and I'm seeing it with all the events I've done lately, people are so excited to be back in person today. For real. And all those little conversations you have in the hallways, on break, or at lunch, those are things you can't necessarily replicate online. And that's why people love going to events. It's, it's, it can be because there's a great speaker. I know you will be fantastic, <laughs> well, thank right? you. But it's also because of those relationships they're inherently yeah. building at that event. So tell me a little bit about your training programs, your presentation programs and coaching programs and who might benefit from Mm -hmm. hiring you. Absolutely. My favorite thing to do is to talk to people who are transitioning from that hypo space to a leader of a team. And I'm gonna be honest with you, the reason I like talking to those people is because so many people, myself included, struggled making that transition. Okay. It's a huge paradigm shift. You go from being the superhero, and I like to say you wear the cape, and you solve all the problems, and it feels really good. <laughs> and everyone calls you and says, oh my gosh, Courtney, you're amazing. Ah. I like for people right? to call and tell me I'm amazing. Well, we all do. Hello, you go, right? <laughs> but then you shift into this leadership position, and you try to keep being that person, but now you also have this team. And so many people don't realize they have to take off the cape. And they have to let their team be the superheroes and they get results through them. That's how they know they're doing a good job is their team is becoming a team of superheroes. Oh, that's really good. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's a shift in mindset. It's such a shift in mindset and you just shifted mine, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and just, I just want to put some real world application around this because, you know, I've recently taken over as the CEO of Success North Dallas. And thank you. It's a big job. And, but what I'm having, what, what you just said, cause I have been trying to wear the cape and do all uh-huh. the things I know and be everything to everybody. And it's I know. And wearing it's me out. No, like, as, um, as someone I really love says, how's that working out for you? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and the great thing is I've got a whole team there to support me. Yeah. I need to give them, I am literally going to go buy them capes. <gasps> 
I love it. And you can personalize. Yes. 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 I love that. That's a great idea. I actually did this for my team a long time ago and we gave each other little names. Mm -hmm. And so the name they gave me was Networking Ninja. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Isn't that fun? That is fun. That's a good one. So how else have your services changed or have they changed back since so many companies went remote? Yes. Yes. So definitely we had the virtual option. Yes. And that's not something that necessarily was offered, I would say, a lot prior to 2020. Mm -hmm. So that's always an option. Um, the biggest thing, though, I think that has really shifted is is really how, again, how we bring people together. I see such a big difference in when people are together and the energy that happens in that room. One service I've started adding back on because we saw a dip in engagement and teamwork when everyone started working remotely is um, higher level leadership, calibration, strategy, and team building sessions. And I see your face. It's like, yeah. Think about how we, everyone was together in the same office and think about what happens inherently in those environments. Mm -hmm. There's the water cooler talk yep. or just dropping by someone's office or cubicle. Yep. None of those things happen when you are working remotely 100%. Or even when you're working in that hybrid, a lot of that is cut out. Yep. So what we're finding with teams is that that natural relationship that used to be there, that camaraderie, that connection, that was starting to go on the wayside. And so a lot of leaders have brought me in recently to do calibration sessions to get everyone back on the same page, start talking about things other than work, start to build those relationships back up. Because as you and I know, the magic happens in the relationships. For real. Like I, for real. I love the people I work with. Mm -hmm. I, I don't just like them. I love them. Good for you. And that's because, you know, we have such a safe space where we work that we're allowed to like every day I come in, I swear to God, we've got a new game that's there for us to play. Uh -huh. You know, we've got basketball hoops oh, and golf fun. clubs and golf balls. And mm -hmm. I mean, there's always somebody playing yeah. and it's encouraged. It is. And it's, it's a great way. And think about what you're doing when you naturally bring things like that in, or you have like a potluck or whatever it might be. You are Baby encouraging shower. people to talk yes. about non-work related items, hopefully. And then hopefully those relationships are being built. And that's where people enjoy being at work more. They're yes. more engaged. Turnover goes down. Yep. All the magic happens when those relationships are there. It, it, hmm. And I say this a lot on this podcast. VIP has really, somebody should do a case study on them. Oh, yeah. They have done a lot of things right Yeah. to keep their employees happy. That's and, right. While still getting results. Exactly. You know, and mm -hmm. so it's been, it's been an absolute pleasure. I just had my five-year anniversary. Congratulations. And it has just been an absolute pleasure to work with them. And mm -hmm. I know, I'm sure Brad comes back. Of course, mm -hmm. he's not in office as much as mm -hmm. the rest of us are, but right. I, he's, he's got to feel that energy when he's he in does. the office. And sometimes he'll purposely go into the office because he wants to get, you know, that energy going or those relationships going. So he's very strategic, but he also just enjoys going into the office for those reasons. It's so much fun. So much mm -hmm. fun. So from your training experience, mm -hmm. what would you say, why do so many companies struggle with training, um, mm -hmm. whether it's onboarding a new uh, employee or even just continuing that, you know, training for the employees that you already have? Why do they struggle with that? Why do they mm -hmm. not see that as a benefit? Well, the good news is I'm starting to see a shift. We are seeing more companies put more emphasis and resources behind training and development because we're starting to see lots of numbers that are saying people will stay at companies longer when their companies are investing in them. Yes. So we are seeing a shift. To answer your question more specifically, 
I feel it's because we hit snooze on things like training and development. Mm. And by that, I mean, think about the snooze button. You, you're going to get it. Like, you're going to get out of bed eventually, but you hit the snooze button and you put it off a little bit longer. Yeah. Mm, we're going to hit it again. And before you know it, your hair's on fire and you got to be at work <laughs> in five minutes and there's no way that is humanly possible, right? Yes. So we do the same thing. Are you things. watching me in the morning? <laughs> no, I'm just talking about my own life. Um, we do a lot of things when we're in leadership positions saying, I mean to do that. I'm going to get around to that. I'm going to have that crucial conversation with my employee who's maybe not performing very well. I'm going to get around to taking that newbie hire I just had come in last week to lunch to get to know him or her better. I'm going to do more training and development and get this person up and running for the next role. But we hit snooze. So we mean to do it. But the fires that we all have to put out each and every day get in the way. So if companies can start to work with people like me and, and you know, get or their internal training teams and really put that structure to the way things are done, what happens in the first week? What happens in the first 30 days, 60 days, 90 days? How are we going to keep people who have been there for five years like mm -hmm. you really engaged and give them the resources they need to do their current job well, but also their next job well? Whether that's a leadership role yes. or not, how can we make them be successful? Because the more we focus on other people's success, the greater success we'll have. I love what you just said there. And so much good stuff coming out of your mouth today. Well, thank <laughs> the you. The more we focus on other people's success, the more success we will have. Absolutely. And I think so many people feel like, it, regardless, and sometimes this is the hiring manager that's threatened by the person that's Absolutely. up and coming, right? I've seen that millions of times. And so it's, it, for you to be successful doesn't take away from me being successful. No. Absolutely not. And as a leader of people, I mean, you should know that you're, I mean, the measure of your success is hiring great talent and then letting them shine yeah. and letting them take on other roles for that company. I mean, you don't want to hire a lot of minions who look and sound just like you and who will never get past that role. That's that's doing no one any favors. Exactly. Exactly. And I just had a thought about that too, about, you know, hiring people that look like you. But it, it brought to mind one of my uh, clients, one of my hiring managers that I'm working with right now. Mm -hmm. And I love selling her role because mm -hmm. she's such a mentor and she's not one of those that wants to hold all the information close yes. because she's afraid you're going to take her job. Right. She tells people in the interview, she goes, I want you to learn as much as you can from me. I want you to take my job. Absolutely. Absolutely. So she goes, I can't move up in my career unless no. I groom you to move up in yours. That is one of the things we used to tell our stores back at JCPenney is, is if you want to get promoted to, you know, you're currently a manager of Sephora inside JCPenney, if you want the field leader role, Find someone amazing to take your spot first. Oh, there That's you go. That's the first thing you need to be doing. And train them up to where they, when you leave, the store is good to go. What is your favorite topic to, or let me rephrase that. What do you, which topic do you think is the most impactful that you train on? Oh gosh, there's so many. But for me, everything comes down to relationships and communication. Mm. Like if we could just understand that most problems, especially at work, but really at home too, come down to a lack of a relationship or not so great communication, I think the world would be a better place. I don't disagree right? with you. I, you know, I had a conversation with a young professional, um, a young executive. I, I invest heavily in young executives. That's very much a passion of mine. And I have an assessment that I use with them. And it, in, in the, within this assessment, one of the pieces is it talks about how people communicate. Yes. And mm -hmm. some people like me, I'm just like, Bleh, I have no filter, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Other people, when you talk to them, they sit there and they 
and, and, and my boss is one of these. And I'm just like, why won't you answer me? You know, because yes. he sits, I'll give him the information and he'll sit there and he'll go, hmm, let me think about that. Mm -hmm. Never saying that out loud, but I know that's what he's doing. He's, he's, yeah, he's processing. Thinking. And so I was explaining this to this young executive based on his results. And he goes, oh my God, this makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. And you don't realize what they don't know. Right. Like, I, I can talk to you one way, but I'm probably mm -hmm. not going to talk to, you know, somebody else the same way. Right. And oh, right. So what you're saying about the different styles of communication. Huge. That's one of my favorite classes to teach, to go back to that question, is communication and behavioral styles, whether we're using a tool like DISC or either I have, I have one called Blind Spots that we use. And it's, to your point, it's showing the four different kinds of personality and behavioral styles. Yeah. Because you know? now if you get that information ahead of time, for your boss, for example, if you know this person's more systematic and analytical, if you know they're more processor, that silence isn't going to freak you out. You just know they're thinking about it. Right? Yes. And you know they probably need facts and data and figures and yes. time to think about decisions before they can feel good about something. Like this is not a gut instinct kind of person. So that's a huge one. And then I really think, you know, if we go back to another topic that's huge right now that everyone needs early on, but really we need it even later on emotional intelligence. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It's a big one. Like if everyone could just have that, even in high school, if we could start teaching this in high school, oh my Why gosh. Why don't we? Someone in a high school environment, please call me. I will come in. I will teach <laughs> She'll write the curriculum like, for you. It, it is just such a huge thing. It is. And, mm -hmm. and I actually went through a course with my team on emotional intelligence. Good for you. And what was so interesting to me is the ones that say, of course I'm emotional intelligent. <laughs> I don't need this. And I'm like, yeah, you probably need it more than anybody, <laughs> you know, cause you're so clueless. <laughs> that happens a lot. Yeah. So do you, so you do use assessments. Mm -hmm. Do you ever recommend to your clients that they use assessments as part of hiring? Ooh, it's a really hard one and it can get really sticky okay. from a legal point of view. Sometimes assessments, um, you know, you, you gotta be really aware of all the science behind the assessment, mm -hmm. first of all, to make sure it's statistically and scientifically proven, valid, all the good things. Yep. And then I always like to say, if you're going to use assessments, use it as a data point, not as your ultimate decision. Agree. Yeah. Agree. I mean, I think having more data points like that is, is a good thing to have. Um, again, being really careful and going to a company that basically would specialize in pre-hiring um, assessments. But I think sometimes even better, what could happen is if you make the decision to hire someone and you bring them in, maybe then put them through an assessment so you know, as you're building the relationship with this person, what is their preferred style? And how do I need a better flex and kind of bend to make sure I'm an effective leader for that person? And how can I more effectively coach and develop them, give them feedback? All those things can be realized with good data. Absolutely. Um, one of my uh, clients uses the culture index and but they use it pre hire mm -hmm. um and it's not like you said it doesn't exclude right. someone from getting hired point. but it drives the questions they asked during the interview beautiful that's beautiful because now i know what to explore a little more to see if yes. there is that culture fit and i love that because culture can be a hard thing to assess in an interview environment there's yeah. a lot of things that are hard to assess because most of us are putting on our our best show of our best selves right but I think to your point, that data can now help me give me some indications of what questions I should ask to really dig deeper. I, I, I couldn't agree more. So when it comes to leadership, what's one skill that you feel like is just absolutely essential in a leader? So hard. It's such a hard one because there's so many things out there. Um, I could say the emotional intelligence thing. I could say even something as specific as empathy. But I think the one that encapsulates them all 
is really around relationship building. Because if I'm a good relationship builder, that probably means I'm communicating pretty well, I'm building trust, I am getting to know this person, I'm, you know, there's a good um, emotional intelligence there. So I feel like relationship building encapsulates it all. But I got to tell you, I don't think it's a skill everyone has. Oh, I absolutely don't think it's a skill mm -hmm. everybody has. I think it has to be a learned skill. Again, going back to my young professionals, this is one thing that, you know, I really encourage them to do is, you know, get out and meet people. You have to. You need to take conversations. I am one of those type of people that I never turn down a conversation. Good for you. If somebody wants to have a conversation with me, it may be a year from now, right. but we're going to have a conversation, mm -hmm. you know? And I also tell people, I'm like, if you feel like I need to meet that person, you're right. Mm -hmm. You don't ask my permission. That's just yeah, a wasted just connect step. Me. Yeah. Good just for you. Send, but, and I have met some of the neatest people that way. And, and it may not be other than just that one conversation, but then mm -hmm. it may be that it leads to another conversation, another mm -hmm. conversation. And, it, but it's still, you've got to pour into those people once you have established that point of connection. You do. And on purpose. And that's where the relationship comes in. Exactly. You do pour in and you have to do it on purpose because we, another thing we snooze on, right? Yes. Oh, I mean, how many, how many of us have said, oh, we're going to get together soon. And then two years pass. Yes. Right? The same thing happens at work and the same thing happens in our personal life. We have all these meant to, should have, could have, I'm, I'm going to get around to it. And then we snooze, snooze, snooze. And, you know. So have you read the five second rule? I have, I have, very Mel Robbins, right? Yeah. I promise you I did not sell that for Mel Robbins. I have it trademarked, I swear to you. No, I was like, I was like, but I'm five, four, three, two, one. I know, like to get up, just do it. I know, and, I, and I'm kind of embarrassed to say that, you know, I am that person that hits the snooze and that, you know, and I, I seem to have slipped more lately. Yeah, it's interesting. I know, I need to do some inner work on that. Why do you that. think it is? I don't know, coach. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more about that, Casey. Tell me more. I, maybe after the podcast, we'll, we'll explore that a little bit more because I think I have a problem. Um, it, because that's really one thing that I do pride myself on. And I do need yeah. to, no, I want to mm -hmm. um, explore what it is that is shifting that where my 54321 hasn't been working too well lately. Yeah. That's the bad thing. I've, I've actually done the 54321 and I found myself still sitting there. Why am I still sitting here? <laughs> yeah, it's hard sometimes. Yeah. It seems like such a simple thing, but putting that action at the end it, it is. is the, that's the magic. The kicker. Yeah. yeah. That's what makes it work. So mm -hmm. what advice would you give to our younger workforce regarding crucial skills um, to have throughout their careers to become leaders? Because you know, they're mm -hmm. not going to have those originally. Mm -hmm. They may think they do and right. they may have, but what are some crucial skills they should be on the lookout for? crucial skills to be on the lookout for. Well, I think one of the skills to me that you need to be aware of, and a lot of people don't have it, is the actual quality of being self-aware. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. Right? How many of us have gone through our a vast portion of our professional life without getting any good feedback? And then you get that feedback yep. and you're like, oh my God. <laughs> right? Okay, let's just get that out of the way in the very beginning. Start asking for feedback, specific feedback, as early as you can. So that might look like asking your coworkers, you know, tell me about my communication style. How can I make it better? What do you like? What do you not like? Maybe talking to your boss, maybe on this specific, on project X, how could I do this even better? Notice I'm getting specific. I'm not saying things like, what am I doing well? Cause that's so broad. But um, if you start asking for feedback and then better yet, listening to it, mm -hmm. not rejecting it and putting some of that feedback into play, I think that'll really help your self-awareness and that will help you grow faster. I also think it goes back to relationship building. That's the second thing I would say. 
Have you noticed that, especially with your young professionals, people at very high positions are more likely to take a meeting with them because... Yes. Right? Oh, so, yeah. It's funny, there was a TEDx talk that um, went with the group that I did back in May at Plano, Plano Senior High. There was a gentleman in high school, and his entire TEDx topic was around the importance of networking early on. Yes. Because at 16 years old, if I'm emailing a CEO, guess what? You're probably going to get a response. There's a real good chance. Yeah. At 45 years old, you probably won't get that same response, right? So the earlier you can start networking, reaching out, asking for connections, and then really learning from these people, even if it's something as simple as asking the same question, what skills should I start gathering now? How do you recommend I start to prepare for a leadership role? I'm telling you, it's again, that, that's where the magic happens. Do you know how old our youngest young executive is? High school? Mm -hmm. 15. Yep. <gasps> yes. See, that's great. Yeah. This person has more power at their fingertips with the power of social media, with the power of email, Zoom. Yep. You know, it's so amazing when she joined, because I mean, before that, I think our youngest young executive was like 24. Mm -hmm. And she had approached me and she's like, I see what you're doing out there with them and I want to be a part of that. Mm. And I was like, she says, so how old do you have to be to join? And I was like, I don't know. I never really thought about it. Come on. She got up and spoke at Successful Dallas and because she was the youngest. It was momentous, right? Okay. And to your point about those high-level executives being more likely to talk to them, mm -hmm. so many of the executives in the room wanted to talk to her afterwards mm -hmm. because she joined and she recognized the value of networking. Yes. Isn't that amazing? It's huge. So people, I mean, I don't care if you're just out of college even. I mean, start to take those meetings or ask for those meetings. If you're in a corporate environment, you can be the 23-year-old who just got hired asking the CEO, What's the harm? Yeah. If you get told no, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Take a step down. But what and if go they the say VP. yes? What if they say yes? What if you can start building a relationship with the CEO that from day one? That's amazing. And you never know what little tidbits they're going to share with you. You really don't. You really don't. We could go on all day. I know. It'd be so easy. <laughs> I <know. laughs> okay. So I want to get to our VIP questions. Okay. Are you ready? I think so. I think so. <laughs> Don't run. Okay. I, I had Trey lock the door, so you can't get out until you answer. All right. So we can do that. So if you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, mm -hmm. what three things or people would you take with you? Okay. Well, so I was thinking about this one because I thought, okay, if I'm a colonist, that means I'm probably not just going out there on my own. There's other people with me. I'm going to say this is like Matt Damon on The Martian, right? This is, we have things out there. So I'm taking my husband, my son, and my dog. Okay. You know, the, you can't re, you can't replace those things. Fur babies are important. They are. They really are. And I can't just leave her on Earth. I, mean, I know. Come on. Who would take care of her? Who would take care of her? What kind of dog do you have? She is a Australian Shepherd mix. Aww. She's all things Shepherd. Yeah. I'm all about the fur babies. Yeah. I love my fur babies. She's pretty great. All right. What's one thing you do each morning? I can't wait to hear this to set your day up for success. <laughs> oh, girl. So this kind of comes back to what I want to do and what I do do. Okay. Because of, of a tra uh, traveling for clients, I don't always wake up in the same place. So it's kind of hard to have a specific routine if you're in a hotel room. But the one thing I do do is I hit the snooze button, right, okay. on purpose. And in that nine glorious minutes when I'm laying in bed, so comfy cozy, I am thinking of, um, first of all, I'm, I'm thinking the God of my understanding for letting me be here one more day. And I am thinking about my intentions for the day. So I'm thinking about the most important thing that I want to accomplish, and I'm asking for guidance on doing the most important things and making a positive impact on people. 
I love in that it. nine minutes. Yeah. I think setting your intention for the day in the morning is so important. I had a feeling that might resonate with you. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever gave you that idea. I have no idea. <laughs> Don't get me off on a whole other subject. We got to wrap this up because <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Um, okay. So my final question for you, mm -hmm. if your life's work was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline be? might sound a bit repetitive of what we talked about today, but I think it would say relationships and communication, the secret to your success. I can see that. Yeah. How do people find you? I know they're going to want to. Thank you. So the best place to go, LinkedIn. You can search me out, Courtney Ramsey. You will see my face on LinkedIn. And then, of course, my website, CourtneyRamseySpeaks.com. And it's Ramsey with an E, not an A. I'm not related to Chef Gordon Ramsey. Oh. I'm not. I wish I was. He's so like tall. Him. Is he? He's so tall. I didn't realize that. Yeah. I, I did not know that. Yeah. One day, I'm going to go to Hell's Kitchen. It's going to make it happen. <laughs> I'll go with you. Yes, let's go. Vegas. Today. Let's, let's just go right now. Okay. I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not opposed to it. Let's go. <laughs> you have been so much fun. I am so glad we finally got to make this happen. Thank you so much for having me. It was and great. I just have one last thing to say to you. Okay. You are a VIP. Thank you. And that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.